0: Welcome to BlueCaster, a talk show for all crypto bulls. Tune
1: in to a live discussion at 4 p.m. UTC on Friday. So, Hello and welcome. Uh, so we're we're, uh, we're here, uh, with our, uh, amazing guest today. So, uh, I'm really excited to start another podcaster, like with, uh, with our special guest who's a founder, you know, at uh, NFT NYC. So Cameron, really, really great to have you here with us.
0: Thank you, Constantine.
1: Yeah, so Cameron Bale has been around, you know, so since many for many years, right? And, uh, and, you know, it was just uh, uh, interesting to finally meet because I was one of the first participants NFT NYC naturally, you know, being here. So, and you've been, you know, like, uh, producing a lot of amazing shows, a lot of amazing events, and generally interested in a space. So probably naturally would be, you know, the kind of the question of how did you how did you get into crypto space? Like, and what was it? What was the precursor like, you know, to create the NFT NYC? I'll try to keep it short. Um, It could be could be a long story. But um,
0: so we started NFT NYC, uh, Jody Rich and myself in 2018. Um, Prior to that, we've we've been working since 2009 on creating uh, white label solutions for brands. And since 2009, we're very focused on social applications for brands that would help them sort of directly engage with their audiences. And one of our customers asked us to integrate with a blockchain so that we could do like a crypto reward inside of one of those social apps. It was actually for a bank, which was kind of interesting. So that was our first crypto integration, which was in 2014. And then in 2017, we sort of started to understand that people were registering, you know, digital assets on the blockchain, which we now call NFTs. And we thought that our audience, our customers of brands that had community and had IP, would be able to, you know, create some value with that technology. And so we we sort of uh, changed our approach or evolved our approach from creating social apps for brands to creating NFT experiences for brands. And uh, we launched a platform in, uh, in 2018. And we were going around to all the crypto conferences talking about it and nobody cared at all about NFTs. <laughs> so, you know, the, the common thing that people would say is that, you know, we're we're getting rich off ICOs. Why would we care about something that's non-fungible? And so, you know, we, we would sort of like hang out in the corner with the guys from OpenSea and some artists like Josie and some gaming people, probably like yourself, and uh, we'll, you know, talk about NFTs. And so, we decided to, um, to create an event that was specifically just for the NFT community, which was NFT NYC, and we hosted the first one in February 2019
1: yeah and you know this is this is exciting right I know you've been you know you have some other products like which was nft cred right you know so and uh it's a creation platform for creation marketing distribution of nfts right you know so released somewhere in this you know at this time and you know it's it was also interesting like you know as, as Snoop Dogs once said like every great industry has a downfall so there has been, like right now, crypto winter. So obviously we'll, we want to address this question. We're in a bear market still. And I think this is a very short pump that we're seeing right now, like related to, you know, Davos or the economic forum activities, right? So please, like, you know, tell us how how do you envision the future of NFTs, you know, like, and what excites you the most in the current trend? Well, in, in terms of, we're sort of wearing two hats, right? Like,
0: through NFT cred, we work specifically with consumer brands and with NFT NYC, we get a much more broad perspective of what's happening. Um, What we're seeing sort of the general consensus is that NFTs are not going anywhere, you know, despite them using the same technology as cryptocurrencies, they're not the same as cryptocurrencies. And um, as the, you know, prices fluctuate with crypto, what we're seeing is that some of the, um, some of the businesses that are uh, basing their revenue streams on crypto may be in trouble at times um but the people that are using nfts to drive utility like uh consumer brands that are actually creating experiences with nfts are not seeing any real negative impact from from the crypto markets being on a downturn so i i think what you know there was a quote that people kept throwing around at nft nyc in june last year which was that it's not a or they say it's not a bear market it's a build market and i think that that's still true like we're, we're just seeing more and more adoption of People with real world utility and more interesting use cases of NFTs, less speculation, um, which I think in the long run is a really positive thing for the technology.
1: 100% agree. Um, So if you were to also uh, think about it, like what are the key factors that will drive the growth and adoption of NFTs in the near future? I'm sure you speak to a lot of founders, a lot of uh, experts in the field. So curious to hear your opinion. Well, personally, I think
0: I, I think that the, there's two things. Um, one is brands. Like, I think that brands are really like the password for like mass adoption, and I think that brands adopting NFTs. Like, right now, we're sort of seeing the tip of the iceberg where brands are advertising that they're doing stuff with NFTs, and I think that um, what we're going to see is that brands start integrating NFTs into their existing user experiences without necessarily advertising that they're using NFTs at all. So, you know, we'll see the benefits of NFTs, whether it's sort of the, the tradability or you know interoperability or whatever it is. We'll see all those benefits um, sort of under the hood in consumer experiences and people will be interacting with brands that they've known forever and they trust and they won't even necessarily know, but they'll be interacting with NFTs. Um, we're seeing that already like uh, Fashion Brand Coach, has been using nfts to drive engagement through their um through their loyalty program called coach insider which is really great because now you know people that are going out there and buying handbags are now interacting with nfts and they don't need to care about crypto or any of that stuff um, ticketmaster and live nation they've been ticketing millions of events and offering those people a digital ticket which is actually backed by an nft so i think like consumer brands Um, using NFTs is going to be, like, the real key to mass adoption. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the second part of that, I think, is, you know, this move away from speculation. I think um, what most people, the the way they get into NFTs is they see that it's a way probably to make money. And that's, like, obviously one of the the benefits is, like, whether it's an in-game item that I can earn and then sell or if it's a piece of art that may increase in value and I can sell and make some money. I think people are very familiar with the idea of having an NFT and realizing value from that NFT when they sell it. And I think like one of the one of the most important things that can happen is when people use um, or create environments or some sort of customer journey where people can realize more value by actually holding on to the NFT than selling it. So layering on benefits on top of those NFTs and real utility. I think when people start to create more value from holding the NFT than the speculative speculative value of selling it, I think that's what's going to make more and more people realize why it's so important and, you know, create such a valuable um, opportunity for them in their plans.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think where we see also like that a lot of other membership uh, formats are pretty popular and they're like interesting and also fidgetal like I'm actually excited like we, we listed recently one of the projects that was offering uh, embedded in the NFTs opportunity to win a luxury bag, which is a okay. no brainer because the bag was more expensive sometimes than the NFT itself. So it's like you think about it, wow, it's just like you get a digital asset and a physical asset like it's amazing, right? So um so coming back to the core like focus of yours I assume right 2023 we you're preparing for NFT NYC which is an exciting you know like uh uh moment you know like um, can you tell us a little bit about, about the dates about the preparation what's more to expect yeah so we're we're sort of on the downhill
0: run now i think it's about 12 weeks away um today is january 20 it is the the event is going to be hosted april 12 to 14 in the week just after easter um it's going to be at the north javits center in new york city which we're very excited about um for the reason so that it's, sorry go ahead bigger venue it's yeah Bigger venue a, like
1: last time, yeah
0: yeah it's a bigger <laughs> it's a venue but, you know every mm-hmm. every year um every year we've done something different like the first year we're at a venue called the playstation theater which is now called the palladium mm-hmm. The second year, we moved to the Edison Ballroom because the the Palladium had closed down for a year for innovations. The third year, we started with both of those two venues, and then we realized we needed more space because more people were registering. And so, we decided to sort of keep growing with with the demand of people buying tickets and speakers and things like that. And so, we ended up with this sort of like festival feel of multiple different venues all around Times Square in New York City, um, which... In one way, it was really great because people were sort of buzzing around between between different venues. But, you know, some feedback from the community was that they prefer to have everything under one roof so that it was much easier to get from A to B, from one stage to another. And it was easier to find your way around. Um, so, last last year in November, we hosted our first event in London and we experimented with having a single venue. And I think that was one of the biggest benefits of doing that is that it was much easier to navigate Um, For us as people that are organizing operations, it's much easier to work with, you know, one AV company and one print company and one, you know, caterer and all of those things. Um, And so, this year, what we're doing in New York City is instead of starting with um, a smaller space and expanding as we go, we're starting with a big space and filling it up. And so... Uh, North Javits is a really great venue. It's been open only for a year. Um, there's a beautiful rooftop space and, uh, we're going to be able to create some really interesting experiences for the different verticals that we're talking to.
1: Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Okay. So I'm, I told you I'm going to definitely register as a speaker possibly. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so can you tell us more about the, the artist showcase, right? You know, cause I, I know there's some innovative things you're testing there. Well, I, I think like back to that point before about how people first get into NFTs,
0: I think that um, art has been sort of the first use case that has been most widely recognized because I think people understand it and artists have flocked to, to this technology. But now there's, there's a point where there's so many great artists that, you know, only a certain like, level of artists are really seeking recognition or finding recognition. And so one of the things that we have always tried to do with NFT NYC is Give people a voice. And that might mean that someone who wants to speak that is unrecognized or has a new idea or doesn't have a brand or a project yet, we want to give them a chance to go on stage. And now, similarly, with artists, what we want to do is give com- artists from the community the opportunity to actually feature their artworks either in the Artist Village, which will be a gallery space on the rooftop at NFT NYC this year, or um, about 200 artists are actually going to be shown on Times Square billboards
1: nice okay so it's gonna be fun Um, so the response has been crazy uh like
0: we in in about three weeks we had about three and a half thousand artists actually submit
1: wow so how do you filter them i'm curious so let's imagine i'm gonna i want to i want to ask you more provocative questions because we have another question before we open the the mic for the audience so let's imagine there's equally like interesting two artists right one let's say from the music industry and they have uh, different genres, let's say very, very similar following, both amazing up and coming, like, you know, but how do you pick one towards another, you know? Well, you know, I, beauty's
0: in the eye of the beholder. And I think that um, we, a, as event organizers, we do not want to be curators. I don't want to be the person that that has been, you know, has the responsibility of choosing one person over another. And so, what we're really doing, what we're really trying to do is rather than choose, you know, this artist over that artist, what we're looking at is like, does this artist um, really, is this someone that really identifies as an artist? Are they serious about what they're doing? Do they have a portfolio of artworks? And is the artwork that they've submitted appropriate for the event? And in that case, mm-hmm. most, most of the artists that they've submitted that meet that criteria, we're actually giving them a chance because we don't want to be really seen as gatekeepers that are that are sort of choosing one person over another what we want to be seen as is people that are rewarding contribution and so you know any artist that wants to contribute their artwork and they meet that fairly simple criteria we want to give them a chance and we want to put their artwork up and let people see it throughout the event and we'll give them a complimentary ticket to come to the entire event so they can come to new york for the week
1: and they can you know experience everything else that the show has to offer that's exciting so yeah. what what can we expect from from brands like the engagement from brands like in you know, at ft see what are like any other like interesting innovative like thing so i know there are a lot of people who are like experimenting with drones right now some other like you know LED lights that are like immersive and they yeah. they mimic let's say they mimic the sound waves and they reproduce a specific uh image you know so i don't know maybe some other things that are exciting that's funny that you say that. Um, last last year, um, Elon Musk's brother Kimball
0: Kimball Musk he actually spoke about a company that he acquired, which does just that. So they like they produce artworks in the sky with drones, and his mission. I've is- seen it. Right, and he's reducing the environmental impact of fireworks, right? But it's like creating this huge like this new medium for art to sort of be projected in the sky, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, your, your point about brands, though, like what what we are doing you know we're talking to brands that are listed on the Nasdaq we're talking to traditional consumer brands we're seeing this great interest from brands that people really recognize that are adopting the technology this year um you know we've seen it every year but it's it's growing every you know year over year um this year there's consumer brands like Nike like Porsche um all sorts of brands that are going to be
1: at the event talking about what they're doing so it's it's really exciting I, I'm sure it is, you know, so definitely wouldn't be part of it. And uh so, for again, I'm sure we, we we can talk about it like for, for some time, but I want to open up the mic for our uh listeners, you know, for the audience, right? And they will ask you directly all the questions. I'm just gonna uh, be the conduit to read them. Um mm-hmm. so we we have questions from YouTube, a lot of them, uh, and some sure. from LinkedIn and Twitter. So I'll start I'll start from YouTube. So Captain Hartle is asking, after the success of NFT NYC last year, do you guys plan to take the conference to different cities, maybe a different country? That's a great question. Um, We get asked that a lot. Um, Last
0: year, we did NFT London for the first time in November. Um, The reason for that really was that uh, before we held NFT NYC, we did a series of sort of small events. We did one in San Francisco. The following day, we did one in New York City. And then the following day we did one in London and there were these sort of small meetup groups, about 200 people or something like that. And we had the best reception in both New York and in London. And so, you know, last year we decided to host NFT London for the first time. We found that about 30% of the NFT NYC audience interestingly came from the UK or, um, Western Europe. And so, you know, that was a, a no brainer for us. We experimented with it, um, it was a success. We had about two and a half thousand people come. And so that was a, a great show for us. Um, we're really focused on New York and London. We will not be focusing on any other cities at the moment, but there are people that are. So, you know, we want to see how we can work with these other, other events that people are hosting in their own cities. Um, you know, people are talking about Vienna in Austria. People are talking about Seoul in Korea and Tokyo in Japan. Um, so, you know, whatever people do, we would love
1: to support them, but we are very focused on New York and London. Um, there's a question about, interesting question, so uh, you will love it from YouTube. What are your thoughts on the recent launch of Metaverse Hill, uh in South Korea, given the country's ban on, power? I think it's play to earn or pay to ban games? I think play to earn, that's, that was the question. In South Korea. So where that's a really good
0: question. We've actually seen. So you started earlier in the call. Uh, you talked about uh, sort of the crypto markets and the effect that that's having on, you know, interest in NFT space. I think that um, a really interesting thing, and I'm not sure if it's related to the crypto markets or sort of more general economic markets, but we've seen that the Asian markets, specifically Korea, is is in strides like they're very, very strong at the moment. There's a lot of adoption in Korea. Um, so uh, I can't recall exactly what the question was, but yeah, uh, you know, Korea seems to be like a really uh, emerging market for NFTs. I,
1: I think I think that's that, that's uh, answers partially to it. Yeah, it's a more specific one to Korea, I think. Uh, let's talk about the other things of Raphael from uh, asking from YouTube. What are some of the core principles of NFT and I see that will never change? That's a good question. Um, so.
0: I can't remember which one comes first, but we do have three core values. Um one of them is to give people a voice. So, like I said before, uh, if someone comes to our, if someone comes to us and submits a speaking application and they have an interesting idea, whether they're a you know an unknown person or a celebrity, we don't really care. Like if it's an interesting idea, we're going to give someone a chance to go on stage. And that's something that I think um, is very different to a lot of shows. I think people that, Come to conferences often. Expect to see, you know, a list of fifty speakers, and they're all very well-known names. Many of them might be celebrities or athletes or things like that. That you know, people recognise their face as soon as they go on stage. We really take pride in giving the little guy a chance and someone that has a new idea or a new business. Give them the opportunity to go on stage and talk about it. Um, sometimes that works out really well. Sometimes a project, you know, like in 2019, I think we had about. 80 people speak at the at the first event. And I think probably 50 percent of the people that spoke at that first event have gone on to build um, the businesses that we all know today, whether it's like OpenCD or Nifty Gateway or gaming companies like Blockade Games, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes their their ideas or their projects may not work out, but we really value you know giving people a chance and giving the community a voice. And so, you know, to speak to that as well this year at, at NFT NYC, we're going to be focusing on how people can choose the type of programming that they want to navigate to, whether it's sort of the rising stars from the community, or whether it's really that sort of track of well known speakers in sort of the all-star, the all-star stage. Um, that was one of our core values, giving people a voice. Another one is about proselytizing NFTs. So proselytizing mm-hmm. is really like where we want to we want to show people that we we eat our own dog food and we practice what we preach. And so we really <laughs> we're very focused on incorporating nfts into the into the event experience so since uh the first event you know we introduced something called the nft swag bag where we decided to deliver um, custom nfts from all the sponsors to every attendee since then we've been doing um, speaker card nfts where you can collect your favorite speakers like collecting pokemon um this year with we- Uh, We've also been doing um, commemorative uh, ticket stubs where people can get essentially like a proof of attendance token featuring art from one of the artists that has collaborated with us for the Artist Showcase. And this year we're also doing NFT ticketing where people can actually use their NFT to scan into the event.
1: Mm -hmm. That's fun. Actually, one of the recent fun uh, utility that I've tried just to share with you. So I'm a contributor writer in Cointelegraph. So I wrote an article and then you see and it offers me to create an NFT out of my article. So I on Polygon you now, like just to pay like few Matic, you know, I, I was like, wow, this is fun. So and immediately the price, I think I paid like 24 Matic and then now it's be, it's it can be bought for 65. So I have three X on my <laughs> article. So um, articles. It's fun because you, know? you, you can imagine there can be some iconic articles which are very, very important. as like a piece of history, right? So I think it's a very smart application. But I I, I have here uh, another interesting question from Glitchtrap from YouTube is asking, I saw that Shiba Inu and Bugatti Group have partnered to create an NFT reward program with BEX. What are some of the other interesting collaborations between big brands you know? Oh, wow. Um, Collaborations between big brands. Uh, So so you mentioned before et cetera, right? So maybe some others that are not public yet or maybe. So, so Porsche,
0: I think they're actually doing a drop tomorrow, but I'll, I'll speak to another one. So, um, Coach, the, the fashion brand I was talking about earlier. So, Coach, um, as we know, they're very well known for creating handbags. Their market is not necessarily the NFT audience, right? Like traditionally, um, unfortunately, the NFT audience typically looks like me. They're typically uh, you know, young males. And we're, we're not always the audience that's buying handbags, but coach has done something really interesting in in showing how this fashion brand that has been iconic, they've been around for over 100 years, I think, how how they're using a new technology to engage um, a different audience, but also to sort of motivate their, their existing customers, the people that are interested in their fashion and their handbags, to actually adopt this new technology. So, they um, actually during an FTNYC last year, they did a launch with an artist called Shakespeare. And they had a a token that represented their classic, I think it's called the Madison handbag, which is a very famous handbag that they did. But they did a digital version reimagined by this amazing artist called Shakespeare. And they actually used it for a few different things. And one of them was to actually get access to this, you know, Fifth Avenue um, coach store party that they were hosting during NFT NYC. And so, you know, that that was a really cool use case for people that were were into NFTs, like get the NFT and you can come and learn more about the brand. But the inverse Mm -hmm. of that is that they're actually using NFTs to grant access to their coach insider program. And so, anyone that has been, you know, a, a customer of coach for so long and part of this loyalty program... They're actually now able to get an NFT that gives them access to additional benefits moving forward. And so they're introducing sort of the non NFT audience into NFTs and showing how the NFT can actually grant loyalty benefits to those people.
1: That's actually a very smart. Interesting. I, I I didn't know about it. So we'll also take a look. Um. So okay. So there are, there are more questions uh, uh, specifically like you uh, know from LinkedIn. Also, I want to. So Mehdi Hussein from, from LinkedIn is asking, "What do you think uh, of the United States allowing NFTs to for fundraising purposes? I see this is as a big win. Would you be interested in doing a charity fundraiser with NFTs? I, I think it's a great idea. Like one of the things that, um,
0: I, especially in the US, we see that people love to identify themselves and the causes that they get behind. And I think one of the most obvious ways that people do that is with like bumper stickers on their cars. And quite often people, you know, put a sticker on their car that says that they voted, or they'll put a sticker on their car that says which football team they care about, or they'll put a sticker on their team which says that they're a Democrat or a Republican or something else. University. Or- or a university, exactly like people create identity. Um, and they want, they really want their identity to be sort of like exposed to the world, but they want people to see what they care about. And I think NFTs are a really interesting way of doing that because they really create like a record of, um, of the things that you're interested in. Like I can see, you know, if I was to look at your wallet, Constantine, I could probably see some in-game items from the games that you like to play. And I could see some art from the artists that you like and some tickets from the events that you're interested in. But if I could see also the causes that you care about, I think that's a really interesting way of people creating that identity using NFTs, but perhaps in a way that is maybe with a lower environmental impact as well. Because, you know, now that people are using different uh, different blockchains like proof of state chains where um, the, the cost or the environmental impact to mint an NFT or to transfer an NFT is even less than, you know, publishing a tweet on Twitter, um, it could be a really interesting way for people to, you know, fundraise, create identity and get the benefits of those types of campaigns, but without necessarily the environmental impact and without them needing mm-hmm. to... Even, You don't even need to have a car to put the bumper sticker on anymore. You can just have a wallet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with that. That's interesting. Uh, We have a question from Twitter, actually a couple. So uh, late registration, that's a nickname from Twitter is asking, what are your thoughts on OpenSea's decision to block uh, Cuban artists and collectors from the platform to comply with U.S. sanctions? Uh, When will we see the perfect decentralized marketplace?
0: That's a lot of questions. Yeah, that one goes <laughs> ahead. All, all, all I would say is that OpenSea um was created by Devin Finzer and Alex Atala, they're friends, and they look these guys care about this technology in the community, I think, as much or more than anyone. So I think, you know, as a big company, they have a responsibility to do certain things. And I think OpenC is like alone in that case, you know, by any stretch. But I think that they have a responsibility to protect themselves to keep doing what they're doing. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I think I think one of the 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 utopia that we're all striving for is a complete decentralization. I think it's coming. But, you know, there's some some road bumps along the way.
1: Yeah, Um, that's uh, So uh, actually, there is a beautiful one of the last questions I'll ask you. So Doug from Twitter is asking, say, hi, Cameron. Well, what are the chances of us seeing a collaboration between bullpurs and NFT NYC? I think it's an amazing question.
0: <laughs> between who and NFT NYC? perks and well, NFT NYC.
1: Uh, are our company, right?
0: <laughs> oh, we're, we're working on it. This is it. We're, we've just started it. And uh, we're going to get Constantine on
1: stage to talk about it. So, you know, 100%, let's do it. Okay. So this is the first start. And, yeah, I mean, I think we have, no, I think we have another We have another uh, two minutes for questions Yeah, we have a lot. So I'll just pick one of them. Um, Nakamoto-san from YouTube is asking uh, what new year uh, seems to be good for NFT sales so far. Uh, So uh, I think this new year, the new year seems to be good for NFT sales. How do you expect 2023 to continue financially for NFTs? I think the question is probably a secondary market.
0: Wow. Well, another loaded question. but. You know, before we were talking about mass adoption and brands being very important to that, um, we're seeing a huge amount of brands come into the space. And so I think adoption will continue despite crypto markets suffering at the moment. Um, I think more people means more interest means secondary markets. Hopefully will be stronger. So, you know, I don't know. Fingers
1: crossed. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And the last one I'll ask is today from Far from YouTube is asking, How can the NFT and gaming spaces be more integrated? Are there any aspects or narratives about NFTs that should be changed uh, to increase adoption? Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: So I think one of the one of the things that has always like I think most of us are aware of, but has pained some of us is that, you know, when you first talk about NFTs, everyone looks at you like you are crazy like you know your your wife or your parents or your partner or your kids or someone your boss has probably gone you know what i have no idea what it is that you're talking about it's some crazy you know voodoo technology i think there's there's like a demystification that needs to happen um but mm-hmm. at the same time like there's there's probably ways where nfts are going to become so sort of mainstream because they're just under the hood like there, there's so much technology that we're all using all the time like where are we're talking on Zoom at the moment. You know, there's a voice over internet protocol technology that's being used behind the scenes, but no one talks about it. Um, so, you know, I think as people start to focus on the benefits and not so much the technology, I think that will normalize it. But in terms of um, in terms of gaming, like there's been a really interesting sort of progression in the adoption of NFTs in gaming this last year. Um, if anyone that's been following the GameStop saga have seen that gamestop has launched their beta nft marketplace i think that um that's a really great example of you know brand adoption or mainstream adoption of nfts i think that's going to be really really important because um specifically for gaming um and probably a lot of the people watching this if you you're interested in gamespad and gaming like you you understand that nfts can be revolutionary for for gaming especially about in-game items and people realizing value from their investment into playing a game. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's, you know, we talked earlier about art being one of the most sort of digestible use cases of NFTs. And that's sort of the first thing that people understand. And it clicks. I think in game items and gaming is this that's the next step. And so in terms of like broad adoption, I think that uh, gaming is what's coming sort of directly after art, you know, it's already happening. But uh, in terms of sort of seeing that adoption, I think major players like game developers or GameStop with their marketplace and supporting that and sort of normalizing it for gamers is what's really important.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think that's a beautiful way to conclude. Uh, thank you so much, Cameron. And I. Thank you for th- sharing your thoughts here. I don't know, you probably broke a record of, uh uh, on like answering the number of questions. So you're so precise and then concise in your answers. I love that. Um so we we also think our community you know uh, thank you for everyone who's joining Bullcaster today you know so we're gonna invite more incredible people like Cameron like other investors partners and remarkable personalities and like we'll see you uh, right about like 4pm UTC or uh, 11am EST and YouTube live LinkedIn live Twitter Lives, any lives you can possibly just fathom so (laughs) and hopefully yes we're gonna work very closely with NFT and OAC definitely we're looking forward to attend this time in Jefferson Center that's it's going to be it's it's one of the i think it's the biggest venue in near like uh, in new york city right so the fact yeah. that you know that, that that Cameron and his team is growing to this level and there's such an, an uh, adoption in terms of like people physically showing up it's not like virtually you're trading there's people who are interested generally interested to explore use cases i think that itself Shows that we are slowly but surely getting to a more mature stage. Thank you for everything you're doing, Cameron. Hopefully, we'll see you more. Thank you, Constantine. See you in April. Stay tuned with Bullcaster, a talk show for all crypto bulls.